Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Now, here's your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Welcome to Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall, and today we're talking about how you can get a deadly workout from the comfort of your own home. My guests today are Dane Woodland, who's a personal trainer and group fitness instructor at Max and an ambassador for Lululemon. He's worked with a broad variety of clients and has also coached athletes in a variety of sports and national and international competitions. And with him is Dr. Vic Sajpal, who's an adult and pediatric orthopedic surgeon at Eastern Health, who happens to have an extensive background in competitive athletics and exercise. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much. So let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, these are special times, and I honestly can't remember a time when we couldn't head to the gym. There's probably lots of times we wish we didn't have to go to the gym. But uh, when you think about a gym, like they offer a ton of equipment that's pretty easy to use, and I think a lot of the time memberships just cover access to the equipment. But now people don't have that. So first question is for you, Vic. Can people still get a good workout without a gym? Oh, definitely. If you if you look at the demographics of uh, people. There's a very small percentage of people that probably have gym members in the first place, and then there's probably another small percentage that actually utilize the gym on a daily basis. So you're looking at a very small subset of people that probably, you know, are being impacted by not being able to go to a gym. But definitely, like, I mean, you look around your own house, you look outside, you can get a great workout, and, you know, with a little bit of uh, creativity, ingenuity, you know, beyond just having to go to a gym. What do you think of that, Dane? Yeah, I totally agree. It's a, it's a great time to focus on just basic movement patterns, even mind-muscle connection, you know, how it feels to feel your body move in space. Uh, For people who go to the gym and are out of that opportunity now, this might be a a good time to focus on some of those form issues that might have been hindering their performance or causing nagging injuries, but are Mm -hmm. often, of course, not prioritized because we just love to go for the equipment and uh, some of the more impressive uh, or exciting movements. So I think this is a great time. That's good. And I think, you know, the social aspect is one thing, but but when it comes to the workouts, you know, you can mimic a lot of these things. But if people are going to work out from their house, you know, times are going to be financially tough for a lot of people. So now they're like, I can't go to the gym anymore. I have to buy a ton of equipment for the house. Like, do they need equipment? And if they were going to get some, like, what would be their what would, what would be the essentials? Uh, Dane, do you want to field that one? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think that equipment allows us to kind of broaden the variety of stimuli that we experience, and it can certainly benefit us. Uh, I think it also helps our attention span as well, so we're not just, you know, doing some of the same things over and over again. That said, many people would argue that you can do quite well without equipment. Uh, I think that the learning curve is going to be really tough for people who typically do move using uh, resistance equipment and other devices that you can find at the gym. I think that you can get some very basic things. Uh, Like for myself, for example, I went and bought a stability ball and one single resistance band, and it cost me about 25 bucks. And I've actually found, you know, a lot of uh, utility and a a lot more variety of movement with those. So it Mm -hmm. could be any form of resistance, a band, a free weight, uh, you know, something like a TRX suspension trainer. But again, it also, it doesn't have to be much of anything to uh, get the job done. What about you, Vic? I think you you got some home equipment, but uh, what's your opinion on that? Uh, no, I definitely agree. Like if you if you look at it, um, you know, you, you break down what you want to do in exercise, right? If you look at the various aspects of exercise, there's a cardio component, there's a resistance component, and there's a social component. Generally, if you look at those three types of things, right? And you know, 
if you if we break down to a cardio component, like you know, depending on your level, whether you're an elite athlete, you know, or someone who just wants to keep motion, mobility, and that sort of stuff. I mean, we're doing it right now in this day and age. We're going out for walks, you know. You can go out for a run. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we do have a lot of snow at this stage, but I mean, you know, when the weather gets better, you can go for bike rides as well and different things. So there's different ways to keep the cardio aspect, and and lots of times, you know, even in your own house, if you kind of set up a circuit or a training where you do push-ups, sit-ups, you can get that cardio effect by just doing a uh, cross type of workout which doesn't really require any equipment right mm-hmm. and then if you look at the resistance types we got lots of things in our house uh, everything you look at has weight to it even your body has weight right so if you right, add in right, push-ups right. sit-ups you, you take a chair start doing dips you know do body squats mm-hmm. lunges you can hold a uh, you know a bag of potatoes if you don't have any dumbbells so there's <laughs> lots of ways to do resistance uh, training as well in that sort of sense right so you got to be a little more imaginative and, and intuitive the, and then the other part, even though we were making fun of my BlackBerry there, the social aspect of exercise, if we look at that, my, for example, my wife, she's doing virtual workouts. VJ does some workouts with his buddies on, you know, FaceTime, different things like that. So you're also being able to keep the social aspect going. I mean, it's not most ideal as you're probably used to in your life, in your routine regimen that you probably did. But there are ways around it and ways of keeping healthy mentally and physically. Well, that allows me to jump into something right now because, Dane, you are actually currently engaging a lot of people right now by doing at-home workouts uh, using different social media platforms. Tell us a little bit about that. I've always kind of been doing some stuff on Instagram, even before, uh, you know, the current state of affairs. But as of last week, I took my first kind of shot at doing a workout on Facebook Live. Um, I did it as a fundraiser for the Single Parents Association of Newfoundland and Labrador. And I just couldn't believe how many people logged on, honestly. Uh, I had a lot of learnings uh, from that experience just in terms of how to actually put that content up there. And we'll be trying again soon uh, and even through my employer uh, as well. But it's amazing, you know, thinking about the network of people that I work with face-to-face, I was reaching way more people, you know, people from my hometown, people from other provinces, people that I didn't think would even log in. So if you have access to Internet and, you know, a computer or any device that has a screen and you can get onto something like this, we're really able to bring that into the home. And I think that the cool thing about some of these live workouts is that it does promote that community because you have people, right. you know, giving the comments and, and that sort of thing. And it's always a little bit more fun and interactive that way. That's great. The I think that's and that's something that's interesting because a lot of the time people go to the gym, they may not actually be interacting with that many people and sort of sticking to themselves. This may actually prove to be a more social way to exercise for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Let's take it from the medical standpoint, Vic. Why is it really important for folks to make sure they get their exercise right now where we're a little bit more locked down than normally would be, you know, and we can't get out as easily? Why Why is it critical at this stage for people to take care of that? Well, usually most people look at exercise as a physical component, right? But I think in this stage, you know, we're in unprecedented times where you're locked down, you're in your house more, you you have to look at the mental side of exercise, right? And I think, as we talked about with these various technology aids, you know, virtual workouts, uh, FaceTime, it gives you that social connection with others in terms of talking to people differently. And you're working out, you're laughing, you're, you know, joking around with different people. So it gives you that connection that you're still... There's a human society out there that even though we're confined to our house. I think the other issue is it helps you manage stress. It gives you a regular mm-hmm. routine where you get up and you have something to look forward to, and it helps you in stress management. It makes you being able to deal with things in terms of, you know, the day-to-day announcements, the way the world is changing every uh, component and moment here as we look at the news. 
And also the fact that, you know, just by being able to handle the mental side and the stress and the physical side, it makes your body healthy. So if you have chronic mm-hmm. illnesses and that, it prevents you from having high blood pressure, reducing your cholesterol, different stresses that would, you know, add to that as well. It helps your autoimmune system. That's something that we're looking at these days, you know. We're worried about this environment. We're trying to see how mm-hmm. healthy we can eat. We're trying to wash our hands as well. And, I mean, exercise, we know for a fact that, and keeps your immune system healthy and, you know, more right. uh, optimal. And that's the thing that we may need for, you know, fighting this virus. Well, especially lungs and things like that from exercise. Obviously, that's something that improves. We know lung capacity gets better, and that's one of the things that the virus could be attacking. So, uh, okay, so uh, on to the mental health side of things. Dane, what's the feedback you're getting from the people that you're interacting with uh, online? It's uh, it's funny that you bring that up because I found that the feedback that I got the most in the comments was how sorely needed uh, that workout was uh, when I did go on Facebook Live uh, toward the end of last week. And that was only a couple days into, you know, some of the changes that we had had socially, which I think that people are now uh, really adapting to. Um, people just need to connect. Uh, you know, we've gotten used to, you know, or maybe we've gotten sick of some of the same people that we're seeing over and over again. So drawing people together and just allowing, again, uh, as Vic mentioned, just, uh, for that space from some of all the doom and gloom and paranoia uh, that's happening right now, uh, it creates an incredible opportunity just to take a break and to focus on other things and to have fun and to even, you know, challenge yourself and to be proud of yourself for uh, completing something that's difficult uh, or might be physically taxing and then to get on the other side. That can be such a positive for yourself. And I think at a time now more than ever, we really need to promote that care for our mental health uh, as we move through these times. Okay. So here's another thing though. Now, Recently, all of our uh, our clinics are shut down. So first of all, like our, our ability to go talk to somebody, that's, that's not there anymore. And also our ability to rehab. Dan, you do a lot of work with people mm-hmm. in the rehab side of things. How does exercise play a role when it comes to fixing up those injuries? And Vic, I'll get you to jump in after Dane's done on this one because I know this is your area too. Yeah, so some of those clients uh, of mine have actually been the ones that have been on my mind, I think, the most in the last little while. Um, I often end up working with clients who might have been discharged from physio and are still looking for a little bit more support before they move back into, like, their their uh, training regimens. And I am kind of, a, I guess, a big believer in this kind of use-it-or-lose-it philosophy with movement. And I find sometimes people who have had uh, pain and injuries can be really afraid to move and they lack that confidence because they don't want to, you know, further injure or tweak or end up you know, back where they were when they started. Uh, So there often could be a fear of trying things uh, without supervision. And I think about those people right now and how they don't have access to, you know, treatment and again to uh, that support while they're moving. I think it's important that we keep we keep going, you know, finding ways to listen to the body and finding ways to know uh, how to do those movements effectively. We talked about some of the benefits of movement and, of course, increasing your heart rate promotes that circulation, which promotes healing. So if we start to disrupt our progress because, oh, I can't see my physio or I can't see my trainer, uh, it's possible that we could we could regress. Uh, I think that breaks always can allow for um, a decrease in inflammation and, and lessen some pain, but they don't. The breaks don't allow us to actually learn how to do those movement patterns properly. And if we don't learn how to move properly when we try to move again, we can just again re-injure or bring on that pain again. So I think it's so important that folks, especially in, in those circumstances, you know, are able to find a way to continue to do that little bit of work, whether it's that homework that the physio has given them or whatever therapist they're working with, just so they can still try to work on the range of motion that they need to have. Right. Okay. Vic, what do you think about this? I agree. It's it's a difficult time for people who are injured and need uh, regular rehab because a lot, of, a lot of, unlike exercise, rehab is more a specific goal in mind, mm-hmm. you know, restoring a body function than, you know, just trying to maintain health. 
And, you know, it depends on where they are in their rehab. Like, you know, if they've had enough sessions, usually most rehabs trying to go to a home program allow you, I guess more hours are at home, so allow you to get into the benefit of, you know, working out uh, and helping those mobility motions at home. And if you're in that stage, then you probably will be beneficial that you could probably carry out while, you know, the three, four, five, six weeks that maybe you're absent from your regular regimen of, you know, visiting a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or whoever does your rehab until that period is resolved. There are opportunities that, you know, exist now in terms of virtual care. I know a lot of physiotherapists, you know, are even though with their offices going to be closed, are going to reach out to their clients and going to provide, you know, in a sense, ability to technologically see, go through routines and that. I think that's going to be coming, but it might be, you know, a lag factor between the person meeting and that sort of stuff. But it's important yeah. that if you're struggling that you reach out to any healthcare worker, you know, hospital, mm-hmm. various avenues of resources are existing that no one should suffer. And, there, you know, there are plans that can be implemented to help those individuals. We're doing it remotely, obviously, today because we aren't, we're all staying home. So uh, let's get into the basics for everybody right here when it comes to exercise. Maybe I'll throw this one over at you first, Dane. Tell us uh, the difference between the types of exercise that are out there for people to be able to get when they're at home. So I think that two big categories that we look at when we consider exercise are cardiovascular training and resistance training. So cardiovascular training involves increases in heart rate and uh, breathing rate, and it's generally performed in moderate to long-term bouts at a light to moderate intensity. So some examples of this are like jogging, swimming, biking, cross-country skiing. Cardiovascular training can also be performed in shorter bouts of work at greater intensities as well, like something like sprinting. Uh, and right. something like that, our body actually requires different types of energy, uh, kind of like resistance training. And a great example of that, of course, is strength training. So these forms, right. forms of exercise are going to be like mere seconds to a couple of minutes. So, for example, a working set of, say, 12 to 15 reps might take, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Uh, intervals uh, for sprinting are kind of along the same category, just very short, intense bouts. So that kind of helps differentiate the type of training that we're doing. Right. Okay. Okay. So, Vic, let's do a scenario for you. Somebody comes into your clinic and they've got some common health issues. So they're coming to see you because they got a bad back. They might be a little bit overweight. They got some high blood pressure or maybe they're diabetic. Uh, if they asked you what you uh, what they should do for exercise, you know, cardio resistance training, what would you say? I tell them a combination of everything. So, Mike, when I see that patient in the clinic, and let's say we need to, uh, you know, change their lifestyle, number one, and get them healthier, get them more fit, right? I look at it at three aspects. I tell them there's three aspects to training. Number one. There's a cardiac aspect, there's a resistance training aspect, and there's a flexibility aspect. So I said every muscle has to be trained in three aspects. You have to have endurance for a muscle, you have to have strength for the muscle, and you have to have flexibility for a muscle. And lots of people mm-hmm. in society, you know, athletes, high-level athletes, they always think, oh, geez, i got to do circuit training, i got to do cardio, i got to do resistance training. But they forget the very important part of flexible training of the muscle. And what I mean by that is stretching doing yoga some people do some people do pilates no one ever thinks of those things as exercise you know it might be a few stretches before you do your rep you know your set whatever you have to do and i tell them that's the most important part with mobility of injuries and trying to recover from injuries and trying to get back to a base level you have to look at all three aspects you have to look at the mobility right. of the muscle the strength of the muscle resistance so i kind of tell them you know you're going to have to do a bit of fitness you know lose some weight walk and whatever you could do walk run that sort of stuff you're going to do a little bit of strength training. And lots of people, when I see them, they're so miserable with their back that they can't actually, you know, say, what do you mean exercise? You can barely move. So we tell them aquatic fitness, you know, get in the water, the buoyancy, resistance, jump, and that will help your 
bones and joints and muscles get stronger. And then we work at the flexibility part, like, you know, trying to stretch the muscles and that. I think using a combination of those three approaches are the best thing for rehab and helping that type of patient that's coming in, you know, with some type of disorder or, you know, ailment that's just not letting them function in life. Right. And Dane, you deal with people with tons of different health conditions. What's your approach with with folks like that? Yeah, I think that I would echo a lot of what Vic said. The variety of movement uh, is so important, and I think sometimes that can, you know, overwhelm people because they, they want to know, you know, what's, what's right for them or what's the best or what should I be prioritizing, but it is really a blend of, of all of those things um, and taking into consideration, you know, what your daily needs are. So if you're not, you know, participating in high-intensity sport, you might not need to train like an Olympic athlete, but maybe you just need enough ability to reach your hands up over your head and, you know, open the cupboard door, carry your kid around, or, you know, complete your daily tasks. So taking a, a good stock at what it is you do on a daily basis and then kind of letting your training kind of be shaped around that so that you're able to be supported in whatever goals you might have and also, again, in whatever it is that you do uh, as you go about your life. Okay, well, so... Let's dig a little bit deeper into cardio, and then we'll hit the other two after this. But when it comes to cardio, you said interval training and sort of like an endurance-type training. Can you sort of outline the benefits for each day? There's a little bit different approaches uh, to each of these uh, types of training and, again, different, I guess, rewards as well. I'll look at interval training first. I think that's actually quite common. It's uh, it's often known as HIIT training or high-intensity interval training. And as mentioned, it's performed in shorter bouts at uh, greater intensities. Very common form of this, and what we've been seeing online is, is circuit training. So you have that defined working and rest period. Right. Also, again, like sprint training. So say, for example, sprinting for a certain period of time, resting, and then going back at that again. I think a lot of people look at this high-intensity interval training as a good bang for your buck. You know, it's right. quick. You get a sweat on. Uh, it often offers a lot of variety in movement as well. So I, I find that a lot of people really enjoy that. I think the thing that's really important, and even just to bounce off of what Vic said, is that although HIIT training is a good bang for your buck in terms of how long the actual training session is, because it's high intensity, you do have to spend some time warming up and preparing for those movements as well, because otherwise you're just jumping in cold and it might not go so well (laughs) in the long run. exactly. And and then we look at endurance training, otherwise known sometimes as low-intensity steady state, uh, typically involves the repetition of a particular movement pattern over and over again for an extended period of time. So we think about like biking, cycling, swimming, something like that. You're doing the same movement over and over again at a pace that is sustainable uh, for a long period of time. So, of course, low-intensity steady state being known as endurance training, it does help promote gains in endurance, and it often can allow us to have active recovery as well. So you can do it at a little bit more of a relaxed pace. It might not be so hard on your body. The thing to consider as well, though, is that there's research being shown that high-intensity interval training has also been shown to help develop improvements in endurance, quite similar to that low-intensity steady state. So I think that there's some opportunity for people to kind of choose what they like best and also what their body might need depending on, you know, how fatigued they are from other things they've done that week. Okay, so Vic, when you're doing these different types of training, the interval or sort of steady state training, what's happening inside the body for people? Well, uh, basically exercise, whether you're uh, doing endurance training or interval training, it depends on what you're training for, right? If you're a high-level athlete, you know, doing uh, interval training, uh, you know, you're looking maybe for power, explosiveness, different types of aspects, right? And, and your body adapts to the various types of training, your your actual goal for training, whether you're doing it, you know, just to be a healthy individual or you're actually doing it to be, you know, explosive hockey player, quick soccer player, 
you're doing, you know, weightlifting to the Olympic, you know, heavy lifting. So all those aspects are, are different. But the general effect on the body, you know, when you do all types of exercise, it's beneficial. So every system in your body, from, from cardiovascular, you know, skeletal, respiratory, you know, renal, all benefit from, from exercises, right? We've seen that in studies uh, throughout time. And, uh, you know, just let's take muscle and joints, you know, majority of what I deal with, right? So if you start exercising, your bone intensity increases, your muscle strength increases, your endurance to walk, your ability to walk farther, your ability to, you know, carry your groceries, all these little things start to add up in your life. And you see a difference in that sort of stuff. Then you look at the cardiovascular side of it, you know, where you go for a walk and go maybe two blocks, sometimes you go three blocks. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. hold your kids longer. You can hold your kids up. And these are what are measurable for most people in society. And, you know, when you start looking at individuals or athletes, you know, who are doing the HIIT training and that, they're doing for specific sports-specific possible training. They will just, Their times are better. They're faster on the ice. You know, their skill level improves. They're, you know, different things, aspects. So it all depends on your goal. But your actual body, mm-hmm. uh, how it responds to exercise is always in a positive manner, no matter who you are. Uh, so, Dane, hoping you can walk uh, the listening audience through what a good cardio workout would look like at home. I think that one of the most important things to consider when we are looking at developing a workout routine is that we really consider what our interests and abilities are. One of the questions that I get a lot from people is, you know, what is the best? What's the best type of cardio, whether it's for fat loss or for you know, developing speed or endurance or whatever it is. And my answer often goes back to the person, you know, what what do you like to do? So I think that in developing a cardiovascular routine, we want to consider a type of movement that we enjoy. And then we also want to consider our intensity so that, you know, our breathing rate is elevated, our heart rate is elevated. And these are kind of physiological things that we can sense and be aware of so that we can know that we're being challenged. So mm-hmm. for example, someone like myself, I don't really love to jog, but I like to sprint. I also like walk and I also like to hike. So for something that someone like myself might do, thinking about what my interests are, is that I could probably go for a hike. You know, I could go up around Signal Hill, something like that, as long as I'm six feet away from everybody around me. Um, but I could do that, and that would, <laughs> that would take up, a, you know, a certain period of time, and that would be uh, kind of a low-intensity, steady-state type of workout or an endurance type of training. And if I wanted to actually make it challenging for myself, it would go from, you know, a leisurely stroll to something where I'm just pushing myself that maybe it's a little bit harder for me to carry a conversation, you know, and, I, and my breathing is getting challenged, especially in somewhere like St. John's. If you're outside, there's a lot of hills. I live downtown, and sometimes there are times that I have to stop talking and buckle down because the added uh, challenge of the incline is actually increasing my breathing. So something as simple as going for a walk for an hour or so, you know, could be something that is very manageable. And for some people, like I gave, you know, the hours as an example. For some people, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 20 minutes, and yeah. maybe that varies from day to day. Looking at intervals, you can do something at home like set up a little circuit. And again, depending on what you're interested in or what you like, it might be a circuit of maybe you're jumping around kind of like you're skipping, say for like 45 seconds, and then you take 15, Mm -hmm. 20, 25 seconds off, and then maybe you're doing squats for 45 seconds. You rest again, 15, 20, 25 seconds, whatever it is, and then you go to do something else. So there's opportunity there to kind of give yourself some movement variety. Mm -hmm. I think a really common interval pattern that people know is Tabata. And that's mm-hmm. 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. And then during those 20 yeah. seconds, you're doing just as much as you can. Then you take 10 seconds of rest. And uh, 10 seconds is very short. <laughs> so that'll get you going uh, in no time. And I think that the, the Tabata sequence is actually only four minutes long uh, in most instances. And that's because it is, is, it is so hard if you're working at a high intensity uh, during those rest periods. 
Yeah, I know there's actually a Tabata timer online for any of the listeners that are looking at having a, a workout timer. They can access mm-hmm. that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny because I think that people underestimate just how hard something gets after 20 seconds of contraction time. If you go to the gym and do 10 reps, it can only take you 10 seconds. But if you're doing 40 seconds mm-hmm. of exercise, that can really uh, – a body weight squat becomes pretty heavy after a while. Um, Absolutely. So that kind of leads us into the, into the next area, uh, guys, is that uh, we've talked about cardio. Um, and then the other, the other uh, type of exercise we kind of looked at was resistance training. Like you guys kind of described it earlier, but a lot of people I think are still probably stuck on weight training specifically, you know, when people go into the gym and and bench pressing as much as they can. Vic, why don't you clarify what resistance training is? Resistance training is uh, basically taking your joint and muscles to a range of motion and uh, having some uh, resistance beyond gravity. I mean, that's the real basis of it. You have some weight that you're actually providing to a muscle and a joint that's more than just... uh, gravity would be so that could be anything really like you know you could use uh weights you could use your own body in terms of doing push-ups so any any aspect of of that kind of thing is the technical definition of it but traditionally in society we think of like you know resistance training of you know maneuvering and you know anything heavy weights you know pull-ups chin-ups that kind of stuff right but you think you're not if you don't have weights on then you're using your body weight and sometimes you use a belt so I guess it's kind of variable for each individual what they think about it. But it's really, you know, the traditional part where you're separated from the cardio room and you're in the weight room and you see all the guys just pushing weight. That's what the society is, belief is, and that's probably most likely what uh, most people would think about it. And when you put it all together, it can be different depending on, on what you're doing for exercise. For example, like it's almost like a, a recipe with um, you might have an ingredient like a squat but you can put the, a different amount in or put it at a different time in the recipe, and that makes the makes the taste different. So, so Dane, like mm-hmm. one of the big things people can play around with are things like their sets, their reps and rests. Can you walk people through what the variables are that can be tweaked when people are, are doing exercise? Yeah, absolutely. So sets are just a group of repetitions. Uh, and, of course, to move into the next definition then, the repetition is one full cycle of a movement pattern. So to bounce off of the example of the squat, uh, one full rep of a squat would be all the way to the bottom of the squat and then returning back to your starting position. Say, for example, you have a set of squats. You might do, like, say, 10, 12, 15 squats in your set. You might also decide that you're doing a certain number of sets uh, in your workout. And then in amongst uh, your sets and reps, you also have your rest intervals. So tying into some of our discussion about cardiovascular training, and interval training, um, if you wanted to get your heart rate up more without doing, say, like a traditional cardio workout, you could be doing resistance training with a shorter rest interval uh, between mm-hmm. your sets so that your heart rate stays elevated as you're moving. But that's another thing, actually. People, you know, they're like, well, I can't, my chest is tired. Well, that's when you can train your legs, and then you can train your mm-hmm. core, and then you can train your arms, and you go back to your legs. And I think that uh, that variety, that, that takes the excuse away for that I'm tired here. Well, the rest of your body isn't, so you can work at that. Vic, you said range of motion. You talked about flexibility earlier. Why is doing a full range of motion, first of all, what is range of motion, and why is it important for people when they're doing exercise? Range of motion is basically, if you look at it, a joint has a certain amount of excursion in terms of degrees, and we talk about full range of motion. So if you look look at your elbow joint, you know, a full extension would be zero, and if you flex it up, generally you should be able to flex it up to about 100 to 135, right? And 
So if you're doing resistance training or, you know, anything with range of motion, there are variable exercises. Like, you know, sometimes you might want uh, a short range of motion to strengthen a certain aspect of a biceps, you know, or you might want the full range of motion as you're trying to do mobility in terms of getting the whole range of motion due to a rehab or injury and that sort of stuff. And there's, and as like Dane has said, there's various techniques, you know, and, and the other thing is you want to challenge your body too, but you know, you don't want to train the same way every time. So you may do, you know, short reps of sets with short range of motion, long range of motions and, you know, heavier weights. So there's a variable patterns that you can do to challenge the muscles and that sort of but range of motion basically means the joints ability to move through an arc which it allows without any um impairment through you know potential injury or anything else one thing that i've been using at home in some of my workouts is actually even playing with the range of motion to promote certain stimulation of the muscle so doing like partial repetition say what i would call like a quarter of the way the beginning of the uh the movement pattern also working at the end of the movement pattern and then doing the full range of motion as well so that we can look at you know kind of burning out or creating stimulation in certain areas of the movement and then promoting the whole movement um is a great way to promote some different stimulation if you haven't had that uh or if you're looking for a way to get the muscle really fatigued uh without adding extra equipment that's right we used to do one and a quarter squats all the time and your leg could be burning at the end of that and I think another thing, just to interject here on this, because this is kind of where I came from as well, is, is, you know, having a full range where you naturally relax the joint might not be the best idea if people are using external weight, keeping some tension on that muscle, but keeping it uh, strong at the longest, most extended point is important for mm-hmm. people. So just taking weights and dropping them and letting your elbow do the stopping, not the best idea, but nice slow control movements so that end of motion so your, your tendons are taken force. That's important mm-hmm. for people when they're exercising without that supervision. Actually, that's a really good... Uh, a segue into something like, Dane, what are some safety things people should think about if they're exercising at home, especially resistance training? Um, I think a really important thing exercising at home now is that we do have that personal accountability, which can sometimes be very difficult if we're not used to uh, doing it on our own. So I think learning to differentiate between, say, like a muscular fatigue and what might feel like pain or something that's going to promote injury. Like, for example, if you're working both sides of your body, but you're only feeling fatigue on one side and that and that sensation, you know, is, is not pleasant, uh, you know, there's a difference between, again, feeling tired and feeling like that kind of stabby shooting pain or even some of that tingling that we might get uh, if there's some mm-hmm. sort of like neurological thing happening. So being aware of how our movement is balanced and also even like what muscles we're using. So if you're thinking, okay, this is an exercise for my back, uh, but I'm not feeling anything in my back. You know, maybe my arms are just fatiguing. Or a really classic example is doing exercise for the glutes and only feeling it in the low back instead. Knowing even what area you're targeting so that you can be really aware of how that's feeling so that you're not promoting any sort of harmful movement and, you know, going to wake up in a couple of days uh, with things all locked up. I think that having that awareness of how you move is, is just so important and being able to kind of take those red flags and course correct as needed can really help to promote safety while you're exercising. Well, that's great info, Dane. Vic, can you walk people through what a resistance training routine should look like for the average person? Uh, I guess I guess the first thing you do is if you're looking for the average person, you make sure they're healthy. You know they can tolerate it, and you know as they always say before you start any physical fitness, make sure your doctor approves it. And a majority of people are healthy enough; they just need to start doing something, right? So for me, you know, and I can I can tell you the concept of uh, exercise has evolved for me. How I used to train at 18, 20 to now when I'm 49 
it's a lot different. And uh, so a typical day is probably the way I'd describe it. You know, I would go downstairs and, you know, where I'm home now and, you know, other than being an essential worker, I spend more time at home. It gives me the opportunity to actually do more exercise now. So, for instance, this morning I started with cardio. So I did an hour on the elliptical trainer. I put a show on and watched that. Once I got that part done, then, you know, when my boys wake up, then we go down to the gym. And I'm fortunate to have a home gym where I generally train, train every day. I generally pick 10 body parts. So I will pick, you know, a total body workout. So I'll pick a few core exercises, a few leg exercises, a few chest exercises, a few arm exercises. And it varies from day to day, so you don't get monotonous on that. And then I try and do a circuit training where you do, I will do try and do like 10 to 15 reps of it and three times around for three sets. And so that would be roughly 30. And try to do it within about 40 to 45 minutes and with very little break in between. So I'm also getting a cardio component there as well. And mm-hmm. I find that's important for me now because uh, I play hockey and I play soccer and, you know, where I don't have those opportunities with the social distancing, the hockey's are on. I find that's something that uh, is helping my cardio and that sort of stuff. Now, for instance, now if I take my two boys who train, they, they have a routine now. They're home as well all the time. They love hockey, so they go outside every day and do 200 shots. You know, that's their training. They'll shoot pucks and shoot more pucks, and that's sports-fic training. <laughs> and then my younger guy, who's 11, you know, uh, I'll give him a similar workout to what I have, you know, 10 exercises, and he'll go through it, and he'll probably be done in about 20 minutes versus I take 45 minutes. But yeah. my older guy, he's more into, you know, the – 16 to 20 year age group of kind of workout. Oh, I got lots of squats. I got to put the bench press up to 300 here, get four reps out of it. And that's something that I certainly would not be able to do. So I think the important concept I'm making within my own family here is that each individual has to train differently. You have to train within, you know, your goals, your physical ability, whether you're dealing with chronic illnesses and that sort of stuff. And I would say for most people, you know, you just start with one or two exercises. Like, you know, say today I'm going to do sit-ups and maybe add a little bit of push-ups or maybe, you know, hold a plank or something like that, and then slowly build up and add each exercise. And then it depends on your level of training. If you're a person who goes to the gym every day, yeah, sure, go pick 15, 20 exercises. So I think it's got to be modified to the individual. Uh, I bet you Dean could tell you all the exercises you could do to make a circuit, you know, a variable <laughs> on a day, and that's where he would come in. And, you know, depending on your level, okay, you're good for three, you're good for 10, you're good for 20. And, you know, change it around. So, but I think the key concept is just get out, start doing stuff. And, you know, depending on where you started part of this, you know, all this uh, stuff that's been going on and just carry on and I'll keep you healthy and mentally and physically. Dane, jump in. You've got the exercises. <laughs> I got the key. So, yeah, it really uh, depends on where you are, uh, kind of like Vic said. Uh, I mean, for some people, it could be as simple as, you know, carrying things around the house. Uh, going up and down the stairs, maybe, you know, getting on a, a chair, sitting to standing over and over right. again, and that might be enough to, to challenge somebody. For other people, it might be something that's a little bit more dynamic, uh, you know, it requires a little bit more skill or a little bit more complexity in the movement. Mm-hmm. I find that one thing that I've seen a lot, especially with a lot of these at-home workouts without equipment, is that a lot of the demands I'm seeing are on the shoulders um, and on the core and on the lower body. And I'm, what I'm not seeing a lot of is, is pulling movements or movements that involve the musculature of the back. Um, right. and, and especially when we're spending a lot of time sitting, uh, sitting at computers, maybe watching TV, uh, some of those postural issues I think are going to start to become concerns for people. And it's hard, you know, if you don't have any, have any sort of external form of resistance. 
Um, but I've seen, and kind of like Vic mentioned earlier in the in the episode, like even something like a bag of potatoes, or if you want to take a backpack and put a bunch of stuff in it, and you want to practice like pulling it toward yourself, um, mm-hmm. so you're able to, to start strengthening some of the muscles in the back. I think that's a really valuable piece of a workout uh, that would be uh, good for at home. I think that the traditional recommendation uh, with pushing to pulling is that for each time we push, we want to pull, you know, two or three times in response yep. so that we're, we're fighting against some of that forward posture that we can experience. And again, especially with some of this at-home work. So I would encourage people to look at, you know, things like squatting, lunging. Um, if you're someone who's running and, and, you know, doing that for your cardio, maybe doing some single leg exercises as well so you have some good single leg stability. Um, bouncing mm-hmm. on one foot is hard, especially if you're going to try to do other tasks while you're doing that, uh, while you're doing that hold uh, on the one leg as well. So making time for some of that and, again, looking at the core, but, again, also some of those postural movements. So even if it might be just, you know, putting yourself up against the wall and seeing if you can tuck your chin and get your head back or seeing if you get your arms to touch the wall, reaching up overhead or something like that, just so that we're looking at opening up the chest and strengthening the muscles of the back as well. That's a good point Dane makes, uh, uh, you know, uh, like we talked about the flexibility aspect. I mean, a lot of people can do yoga and, you know, different things. And, you know, you don't, all the, other than a mat, maybe, you know, learning a few exercises, maybe using the internet for a few things like that. That is a, one excellent workout. And, you know, you know, a lot of people do that. And it's not only a good stress reliever, it, it can also give you a good workout. And you didn't even need any weights. Yeah. And uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot of movements, especially you're reaching overhead and things like that, that people don't do a lot in day to day. And they become mm-hmm. weak in those movements. They become strong in other ones. And that's where, when that imbalance exists, is really where we get injury. And we end up, said, we end up in, uh, in Dr. Sashball's office. Um, <laughs> so, so let's talk about the, you alluded you, to this. You won't get in fish. these days, Mike. <laughs> no, I won't. And I don't, <laughs> I, hopefully, I don't need you. But uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, what, what Vic was talking about with his family, Dane, how can exercise be used now as a way to bond with the people in your household, which, you know, after a while may become a bit of a struggle socially? Mm. What's your advice on that? Um, so I think when reflecting in some of my own experiences uh, coaching younger athletes, I think that sometimes you might have to disguise exercise as play. Uh, you might have some kids who, you know, if they, if they have sport involvement or an athletic background, that they might be very keen and want to, you know, actually exercise and be challenged. And then for others, it might be a means of you know, creating some sort of game uh, that's physically exerting uh, that allows people to have fun at the same time while they're also moving and sweating and, you know, getting some of those benefits that we've covered uh, earlier in the show. I think that that can be such a good way of connecting people. And I also think, especially when we think about family dynamics and, you know, exercising with younger people in the family, is that it's a really good opportunity to reinforce positive exercise habits so that that as we age, we maintain, you know, that prioritization of exercise and knowing how it intertwines with wellness and how it makes us feel good. Mm -hmm. I think when we look at that, one thing to be really considerate of um, and I've even talked about this in some capacity in working with people who are in physical education, is that we promote really positive habits with exercise in terms of not using it as like punishment or, you know, shaming someone if they lose or, you know, they don't perform well in whatever game you're playing. Uh, because if yep. people start to have a, a bad time exercising, it might be something that they, they don't enjoy doing. But if you're able to really encourage and, you know, and help people get better uh, or look at some of the challenging parts of the movements as maybe learning opportunities uh, that we can, mm-hmm. again, form those really positive relationships with exercise and also with one another well i mean for people that want to learn too dane how can people reach out to uh participate in some of the fitness that you're doing online now 
So if folks want to keep up with what I'm up to in terms of my own exercise regimes, I think the majority of what I put up goes on Instagram. And uh, my handle is Coach Woodsy, W-O-O-D-Z-Y. So I'm usually sharing, again, what I'm up to, but also things that I think are relevant to the broader population. Last week, I did a fundraiser on Facebook Live. So that was through my personal Facebook page, Dane Woodland. And anytime I'm doing anything online like that, I'm going to make it public. So even if people are or are not my friends, they can see it. And then finally, uh, my workplace, Max Fitness, uh, has a YouTube channel and also has a page on Facebook. And that's where they've been hosting workouts for both myself and other members on my team. And those are free and they're accessible to not only Max members, but to anybody uh, who's going to look them up on social media. So there's lots of opportunities uh, to get some work guidance through them. That's great. Well, I'm sure people will avail that. Very helpful, especially where people are at home with maybe not as much guidance as they typically would have. Uh, We're almost Mm -hmm. done. We're going to wrap up a closing word from Vic and then Dane about what people can do to uh, what they can actually come out of this situation as you think they have a chance to improve their health or or what's your philosophy on this? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, it's more important that, you know, we stay connected with each other through these unprecedented times, you know, and I think physical activity, you know, will not only help mentally and physically, not only yourself, but your whole family environment, you know, the community as a whole and that sort of stuff, your, uh, your ability to handle and deal with what's going on. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if we're healthy and we stay healthy and we can make our community healthy and everybody else, I think overall, We'll be better for it. And then the other thing is we got to keep in track of the vulnerable. Like, you know, in terms of that, we all know individuals who are struggling, you know, with mental health before this. We're going to have difficulties. And, you know, we're talking about an exercise, you know, basic program. But we also got to be human beings and just be socially aware of those individuals and try and help them as much as we can. Okay. And, Dane, last words, about 30 seconds. So I think just being aware of some of the things we discussed uh, and also being aware of rest periods is really important. Uh, I think that some people, if they are kind of feeling bored at home, it's possible that they could actually start to overtrain. And that can Mm -hmm. also be uh, counterintuitive. So taking rest days, just like we would rest uh, if we were in a typical routine, going to the gym, uh, listening to our body, you know, knowing if I'm too sore to do something, maybe it's a day to work on mobility or to do that kind of recovery cardio. Finding exercises that you find enjoyable and rewarding. And also finding a schedule because so many of our lives are so unstructured right now that if you say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out, you know, every day from 730 to 830 or maybe every day at lunchtime or something like that, just so you also add some semblance of structure to your life uh, so that we can kind of maintain that flow as much as possible. Well, thank you so much for that advice, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with everybody today. Dane, thank you for being creative and coming up with great solutions for people to be able to stay fit and healthy while they're at home. And of course, Dr. Sashpal, thank you and everybody else in the healthcare field for all the work you're doing and will be doing over the next little while. Well, that was today's show on the Health and Wellness Hour. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you next week.